0: podcast one production.
1: Welcome to part three of our second series of The Great COVID Reset. I'm Adam Shand. With the prospect of COVID vaccines being distributed by mid-2021, the world is headed for some kind of COVID normal. Employment trends are already giving us a snapshot of what that future looks like. In this special episode, I speak with Kendra Banks, Seek.com Managing Director for Australia and New Zealand. Seek is the largest recruitment firm in the world and Kendra's insights should give some hope to job seekers entering the workforce in a year like no other. Kendra, thank you so much for coming on COVID Reset 2. We've been tracking the situation since March or April this year, there appears to be a lot of interesting signs in the economy now, especially as we look at next year with the promise of vaccines. You're at the face of business planning, resourcing, headcounts and so forth. What's your gut feel about 2021 and the numbers you're seeing coming through now?
0: At SEEK, we look at new job ads placed on our site. So the number of job ads is a very good indicator of business activity and business confidence, obviously. And what we've seen through this year and where we've gotten to now is a very, very quick drop in March and April, unsurprisingly, followed by a very slow but very steady recovery through the year. As more states have opened up, as more restrictions have lifted, we have seen steady growth in job ads through the year to the point that in the last couple of weeks, and we're recording this in uh, mid-November, we have seen job ads actually slightly higher than they were at this time last year. So we could say that there's been a full recovery, but there's actually a few things happening underneath that.
1: I mean, who would have predicted that, Kendra? I think earlier this year, people were trying to outdoom and gloom each other.
0: It was amazing, right? It is quite exceptional. At the beginning of the year, you know, we were talking about unemployment numbers potentially, you know, double digit, 15%, even higher unemployment rates. You know, we'll see the, the October results soon, but right now we're something around uh, seven or seven and a half, which is amazingly good compared to where we thought.
1: Well, that's amazing, isn't it? You've got your October 2020 figures out now. Could you take us through some of the detail of those? So,
0: like I said, October 2020, we're not, we're not quite back, but mid-November, we are back, nearly back to where we were at the same time last year. What's happening there is you see a huge difference between the states. So the states where there's been less COVID cases, where there's been fewer restrictions, have been already ahead of where they were at the same time last year. WA, Northern Territory, SA, though just this week they've obviously had a new cluster pop up. uh, And now Queensland is ahead of where they were at the same time last year. ACT, New South Wales and Victoria are getting closer. Though what we've seen is New South Wales and Victoria be the slowest to recover. Victoria is not a huge surprise. There's obviously been uh, a much bigger health issue there and much stricter restrictions. But the factor that's similar in both of those is much more of a metro professional services tilt in those two states. So we're seeing faster growth in regional areas and we're seeing faster growth in industries that tend not to be as tightly tied to CBD metro areas. Some areas have never really slowed down. So healthcare and medical never slowed down. Mining and resources never slowed down. But what we're seeing now is this real bounce back in retail, hospitality and services of these businesses that either completely shut down or really, really pulled back, all of a sudden hiring with a lot of energy. So we're seeing very good growth in those sectors and some of the professional services sectors that would be really more concentrated in Sydney and Melbourne, you know, IT, accounting, sales, finance, marketing, those are still a little bit uh, slow.
1: It looks like pretty traditional shapes, uh, traditional industries that reflect the state of the economy. And why I say this is that early this year in the fog of war, if you like, with no decision making horizons, people were talking about resets and changes. do you see any evidence of people taking lessons out of this period and putting it in their business? Are you seeing it in new kinds of hirings or am I being ridiculously detailed?
0: No, you you're not being ridiculous at all. I think we've seen some changes, but as you say, probably fewer than we would have expected in the fog of war. I think that's a great that's a great term of how we all felt in April and May. The first thing to say is it actually hasn't been that long. It's only been about six months and six months is not a very long period of time to reset hiring practices and business strategies and new approaches to talent management. So most businesses and organizations will not really have dramatically reshifted uh, in that period of time unless they were forced to. And some businesses obviously were forced to. <laughs> Anything in healthcare was forced to shift very dramatically. Retail delivery, warehousing, logistics. There's been some really major shifts in how much online penetration is driving the workforce of some of those businesses. Um, even you know, healthcare and online coming together, there's much more telemedicine. There's many more services being delivered online than previously. So in some areas, particularly about transferring offline to online, there has been that Kind of tectonic shift in six months but for most businesses i would say that's not the case it's more likely that they just pulled back a bit either a bit or a lot on their normal activity and have gradually gotten back to normal activity as confidence in the economy and in the health situation has returned
1: i guess the one variable that's a big variable is that we've had good news about vaccines and so forth lately but a lot of this confidence is predicated on that could it be fragile? If, you know, we either don't get the vaccine results that we want or the distribution takes longer, would you see this recovery in jobs being a bit fragile?
0: It is very fragile. And we saw that when Victoria locked down for the second time, Victorian job growth had been quite nice along with all the other states and then just really ground to a halt when the second lockdown came in. And to the extent that businesses are making decisions based on the vaccine, that will be true. I'm not sure if businesses are making decisions based on the promise of the vaccine yet. I think as a society, we're feeling more confident about life because of the promise of one. And there's been great news in the past week about how well some of the trials are going. But I think most businesses will want to start to see some of that play out before they make really dramatic business decisions around it.
1: Kendra, I remember visiting Northern Ireland uh, during the Troubles and going to Belfast, a very vibrant place, always has been. Whenever there was peace, no matter how short-lived it was, people got out and invested, and they tried to make money and go back to business. But I wonder whether there's a similar thing happening here right now. We don't expect everything to be settled immediately, but we have to be out there. So therefore, there's an element of compunction yeah. about getting out there now.
0: Yeah. And I again, those of us in Victoria have learned this personally, right? It's like, okay, we're free. Like, get out, enjoy it. Go out to dinner. You know, go see your friends. Do everything you can because it might not last, right? And I think businesses that can turn that quickly have turned that quickly. The gyms and restaurants and cinemas and everything that have reopened have done their best to reopen as quickly as possible. And it's easier for them to shut down. It's much more difficult for industries like, you know, mining or manufacturing or very significant uh, projects that can't be done remotely uh, to make decisions when there is still uncertainty around the timing of the vaccine.
1: I think there's also a common myth during the pandemic that the entire economy was shut down. It was something like 30 to 35% of the economy, a lot of it was on the high street, but the engines of growth and employment were still running.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, healthcare is one of the biggest industries in Australia, obviously. We don't think of it as an industry, but it is in terms of jobs and, and activity, and that was obviously very continued very strong. Anything that could be done remotely was being done remotely. And that, of course, is the other great lesson we all learned in the last six months, is really how easily most businesses and activities and organisations transferred activities to Zoom to other online.
1: Uh, To that extent, that skills shortage is always a massive issue in Australia, always will be. If we do see some change, some demand for new workers, will we be looking at importing workers next year in jobs that Australians could be filling
0: I think it depends. It depends a lot on the industry. So the real interesting things we've seen in the last few months have been the industries that have traditionally relied on backpackers and travellers, like restaurant wait staff and fruit picking and the seasonal jobs that are short-lived and that European backpackers <laughs> love to come and, and spend time in Australia doing. They're not here this year. So there's a lot of employers who are really struggling, have to think creatively about how they're getting staffing up that kind of work. Then on a very different part of the economy, there's certain really highly skilled and specialised areas where we do rely on bringing in talent from overseas as a country. It depends how the government thinks about visas in the next year, the extent to which they're willing to sign off arrivals in these really highly skilled areas where we just simply might not have the talent in Australia. My guess is they'll be quite willing to do that and therefore that type of recruitment will continue to, to happen.
1: I think if we're talking about people being out of work and this goes back to, I guess, how we're educating our workforce. I mean, I was hoping during this period we would look at things like taking away hex, making education free. Our graduates earn the best money in the world, as I understand it. And I think that should be part of, I guess, this is an opinion more than anything else. But I wonder if that should be a part of our forward thinking here, to make sure that we're filling those jobs, particularly in Sunrise Industries, with Australian workers properly qualified. To the
0: extent that some of these industries or new um, investments need to get started, you know, we don't have a choice but to import some of the really specific skills from overseas. But then as those industries grow, absolutely. I think, you know, education is an industry that's had a huge upheaval in the last six months. (laughs) And the, the, the lack of international students arriving, the desire for younger people who are not able to travel, whose life looks a lot different than they might have expected it to because of the pandemic. I think the shake-up in higher education, we've only seen the beginning. So I think there's still quite a lot to play out for higher education and how we take the opportunity as a country to make sure we are investing in the skills we need for the future, I think is really important.
1: Right, absolutely. That's a key issue. I think it's a really cool fact at the moment that we have more people in Australia than at any point in history because no one's going out. And all those tourists are not coming in. What implications does that have in your business, do you think?
0: You know, our business is global. The Seek Group runs employment marketplaces in a number of different countries across Asia and the world. And so we're very used to working remotely. We're very uh, used to operating, operating between countries. And I think most businesses that do have overseas operations are. So to that extent, not a lot has really changed. But, you know, as I said before, for some industries, it's a huge that have relied on overseas labour, it's just absolutely huge. Or overseas customers, tourism, education, you know, there's some property investment that's very reliant on international investment. There's a lot of areas where the implications are much more significant than it has been in, in our own business at Seek.
1: And when you look at the world, as Seek does, what patterns of recovery do you see? Obviously, Europe's going into a very dark winter, just like North America, but elsewhere is looking better. So China, for instance, I mean, what do you see in the patterns around the world and employment improvement uh, looking into 2021?
0: Yeah, the, the patterns have been remarkably similar country by country. So depending on what's happening with the health situation and the lockdown situation, the reaction in the market has been very similar. So at the very beginning of this in March, April, the scale of the drop that we saw in advertising across our markets was almost identical within a few percentage points And then for those uh, countries that are in similar situations, the rate of recovery has also been similar. Looking ahead to 2021, when we look at Australia and New Zealand, for example, we're quite optimistic. You know, we're seeing the 2020 end well. uh, The promise of the vaccine hopefully keeps confidence high. But we're wary to that point before. We're enjoying it while we can, uh, but we know it could change quickly. And if the vaccine isn't distributed quickly enough, if if there's another outbreak, if restrictions come back in, we know things will slow down. So we have to plan for that to be a um, strong possibility in at least some of our markets.
1: Yeah, just looking at the shape of the economy, at the moment, it's like a W. We go up and we go down. But obviously, in the future, what field do you have uh, a bit further out? What are our prospects generally coming out of your numbers?
0: Yeah, so what we've seen in the last year is like a kind of sideways check mark. Steep drop, slow and steady recovery. And what we expect is a flattening out. If things stay stable, we're expecting job ads to kind of level out in the next, say, six months or so. Then it's going to largely depend on how fast the rest of the world gets to the great place that we hope Australia is going to be in. So we're very optimistic for where Australia is. Obviously, we've handled the pandemic very well compared to a lot of countries around the world. And for most industries, that means we can continue to operate very well in the next year.
1: You know, I wonder whether that optimism is somewhat based on that you know, I escaped the gallows and therefore everything looks great. But looking at our fundamentals, our geography, our history and so forth, how do you think we should feel?
0: I think we should feel very optimistic. We're a country with great natural resources, with great people resources, with a real optimism and desire to use those resources well, with good global connections, but also with the ability to generate demand within our own borders. So I think we should feel very optimistic. The nature of how we've coped as a country in the last year, I think, is remarkable. For many international comparisons, we'd be near the top of the charts on how well we've handled things. And I think that should give us a lot of a lot of confidence that as a, a civil society, as a group of people, <laughs> as, um, you know, how we work with our governments, that we can handle big
1: challenges. Absolutely. I guess there's a lot of people, a lot of young people listening to this, people who just finished year 12, coming out of university, they may not see things that are going right for them right now. But in terms of employment, what message would you give to young job seekers about the future from here? Again, a lot of doom and gloom, a lot of people telling it, the young generation, including my own children, that they'll be scarred and they'll be years getting over this. Do you think that's true?
0: It's, do I think it's true? It's a bit hard to say. The government's clearly very concerned and some of the decisions they've made in this year's budget around hiring subsidies for young people demonstrate that level of concern. Now, what we're seeing is actually much more positive than what we had expected. But for a lot of young people, the ability to get different kinds of experience, to move between different industries, to travel, to see different things is a key part of their, you know, kind of learning and development, no matter what career they move into. And I think that's going to be really restricted in the coming few years. And that does give me some concern for this kind of cohort of of young people. But what I would say is, you know, almost every industry is now, growing in terms of job ads on Seek. So there is a lot of hope out there. There's opportunities out there. And the key is just having a look, figuring out what you're good at, what you are interested in doing, what you enjoy doing and, and having a go.
1: That's a good point. A big issue for Australia generally is a lack of mobility. We don't want to move to take jobs. Do you see that having to break down in this period?
0: Uh, well, it's, a, it's, it's a bit hard to say right now. I mean, you know, what Western Australia is experiencing right now is fascinating because they're trying to convince their own young people to go and work in regional areas, in tourism, in, in, in agriculture, because these are the jobs that the travellers used to take. They're not even bringing in Victorians or Queenslanders to do that work right now because of the hard border uh, for WA. You know, some of the mining companies, I'm not quite sure the current status of the regulations around fly in, fly out, but that had a really big disruptive impact for some of those businesses. So it's interesting to talk about travel when really we're not that free right now to travel within Australia. And that's having a huge impact on some uh, businesses' ability to attract labour.
1: I think a lot of people were saying, we'll go back to the office eventually, but maybe they're thinking do I have to? Um, What's been your experience? What have you learned about working from home that means you might not go back in the same way, just like before, if at all?
0: It's been fascinating in that regard. And and the, the online revolution, again, has accelerated hugely in this period of six months, something that may have taken five to 10 years. Personally, I don't mind working from home, but I really, really miss seeing my team. And I really miss the innovation and creativity that comes from seeing people in person. Seek as a business. We're trying to solve problems. We're trying to create new products. We're trying to do things better. And when that's your goal as a business, creativity and innovation and collaboration are critical. So while we've been productive, I personally believe, and as a business, we're we're coming to a view that if we don't spend more time together, that will be problematic. So while we've always supported flexibility, flexibility is a key part of I would say most modern businesses today, and we will continue to support flexible working, but we will be really encouraging people to spend more time together when it's safe to do so.
1: This optimism disappears if we're hit with another major outbreak this summer. Just how long we can maintain this splendid isolation is anybody's guess, while other parts of the world face new highs of infection. International travellers and returning residents continue to enter this country. So, the respite is fragile, and we'll see how the lessons from 2020 have been learnt in the coming months. Will we make positive choices based on science and lived experience? Or will we opt for cheap politics and expediency, and simply mark time until a vaccine comes along to deliver us from the things that made us so vulnerable in the first place? Thanks for listening. I'm Adam Shand. The Great COVID Reset is written and produced by Adam Shand. Mixing, editing and original score by Matt Nikolich. Executive producer is Grant Tothill. Associate producer is Sarah Grinberg. Research by Nolly Wei shan Graphics by Jamie Lee Garner. The Great COVID Reset is a Podcast One Australia production.